Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Doctrine Matters Podcast. Let's talk about persecution, shall we? I recently began a new sermon series at our church called All I Want for Christmas. And in this sermon series, what we're doing is basically we're taking a look at what people in the church or professing believers would like from God. They want things from God. They want things for themselves And we looked at this idea of prosperity. Now, we know that prosperity and the prosperity gospel is running rampant in our world today. It's all over the place. Everywhere you look, we see people wanting you to sow a seed so they can ultimately buy a new jet, new car, all things new for whatever they need it for in their ministry. Really, what's happening is is these people are, are lining their pocketbooks, they're getting rich, off of the gospel, they're peddling the gospel, are not even teaching the true gospel. That's the biggest thing, is they're not teaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ, which is probably the, the, the biggest travesty of it all. But then on top of that, they are taking well-meaning people's money, and um, those people are just really sitting at home waiting on God to do something that some man told them was going to happen, and, and it's really not happening. So we have people in our society, in our culture, people you know, people we uh, rub elbows with every single day that are giving money to these ministries and nothing's happening in their lives. But what we really need and what the Bible really says is for those that are true believers, those that desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, they will be persecuted. Now, prosperity and persecution are two totally different things that really don't even belong in the same room together because they are so far apart from one another because prosperity has this idea of this material wealth, this this health, perfect health, and you can do these things to achieve this wealth or these material things or this health by giving money, sinning less, having more faith, and in turn, God is going to bless you with all of these things that you desire, and that is simply not what the Bible teaches for all of those that desire to live a godly life in Christ, they will be persecuted. Now, if you are seeking prosperity, if you're seeking health and wealth and material things, you don't even have to live a godly life for that. Basically, you're giving money to try to achieve that, or you've got some guy or even some lady trying to tell you that, oh, you just need to have more faith and it'll happen. And You've got others that'll say, well, stop sinning so much. You just got to stop sinning and God will do this. But we know as we read the scriptures as Protestants, as, as men and women that believe the true word of God, that believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, we know that we are both sinner and saint simultaneously living in the already, not yet. We are still going to be sinners. There's still going to be sin in this world. We can't fully eradicate sin from our lives. So it's impossible for us to be completely sinless just to obtain something that we want, something that we said, that, that God said, has is, is basically been marred because of sin. We see this perfect health go away. We see wealth, all of the things that God had, Adam and Eve were there to enjoy, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that he told them to stay away from. And they didn't do it. Eve partook of the fruit. Adam didn't stop her. 
And because of that, everything that God created that was perfect has now been stained with sin. There's going to be pains and sorrows and death and frustration. And even from that, there's going to be persecution for those that desire to live a godly life in Christ. Now, on previous episodes of this podcast, I had talked about how I, I feel like we're seeing the beginnings of what could lead to persecution in America when it comes to true believers and, and Christians in the church. We're starting to see some of the, the trickling down effects of government overreach, and I don't want to talk about that here on this episode, but I think we're, we have to really start to pay attention to what the government is going to do when it comes to the church. They're looking to strip the, uh, the accreditations of religious schools. They're, they're looking to take away the, the tax breaks from churches, and it looks like it's going to be pretty rough for the church in a, in a, in a, uh, a financial sense maybe or uh, just some, some government overreach and interference, uh, but not necessarily persecution. However, I think this is p- potentially a trickling down of a full-on persecution that is to come. However, I believe that we see in Scripture that persecution doesn't always have to be the violent kind. I believe that, that Jesus in Matthew 5.11 gives us some room to believe that there is indeed a, a verbal persecution that happens, and I, I believe if that's the case, then we do see verbal persecutions happen in America, and I'll get to that here in just a minute. But what I really want to talk about is this idea of persecution itself. And really, all of this stems from an article I read a couple of weeks ago by Tom Askell that talked about a pastor in China that spent 20 years in a communist prison simply because he did not stop preaching the gospel when they told him to. Now, we see this type of thing happen all in the scriptures. We see Stephen be stoned for his faith. We see Paul be just beaten. He has uh, just been in prison, all sorts of things. He was beheaded for his faith in Christ. Peter, beaten, uh, crucified upside down. And John, for uh, his faith, I mean, he was exiled to an island where he died alone. James was killed by the sword. We, we see all of this violent persecution in the scriptures. And we have seen this now over in China. If you've been keeping up, China is being persecuted. The church is being persecuted there. A few years ago, we saw the 21 Coptic Christians that were persecuted. They were beheaded there on a beach. They were wearing orange jumpsuits. You may remember that simply because of their faith in Jesus Christ. So persecution at a violent level is happening around us, whether it be on the other side of the world or somewhere closer that we don't even hear about most of the times. Maybe you have some sort of end to a ministry and a missionary somewhere that may have stories that that tell you of of persecution, but we do know on a grand scale that persecution is happening in China, and this pastor uh, that Tom Askell was writing, writing about was named Pastor Samuel Lamb that spent 20 years in a communist prison for simply not stopping preaching the gospel. Recently, uh, I say recently, it's been a few years, but some American pastors were able to go over there and have a conversation with Pastor Samuel Lamb about persecution and things like that. And the, the article read that after two hours of a worship gathering in a room that was very tiny and very hot, they worshiped for two hours, singing, reading, praying, listening to the the word of God be preached, just completely different from what we experience here 
in America when it comes to church. We want to keep uh, the preaching around 30 minutes. We want about 20 to 25 minutes of singing, and we want to go home or at least be able to get out early enough to beat everybody else to the buffets if there are any buffets open in your area now because of COVID. I know there are a few here, so in the Baptist, we want to get out and, and get there, right? We want to beat the Presbyterians. That's the old joke going around the South here is we want to beat the Presbyterians to the buffet. So we like our church to be short and sweet so we can get on about our day, but that's not, I don't believe, the way we should view gathering with the saints. I believe the people in China have it right. They gather around the sweet word of God with each other, and they worship, and they worship, and they worship. Nevertheless, these American pastors were over there, and they were able to have a conversation with Pastor Samuel Lamb, and he said something that was very uh, profound, and it, it just stuck with me, and he says this. He said, in America, the church has experienced prosperity and is growing weaker. So think about that. The church in America has experienced prosperity and is growing weaker. If you were to walk down to your city or drive to your city and look around or just drive around your city, you're likely to see several churches, especially if you're in the South. Now, I believe that I live in the belt buckle of the Bible belt, and you could just about throw a rock at a church from any direction, anywhere you stand in the county in which I live. And the thing is, is the church has experienced such prosperity and it doesn't necessarily mean in the sense of the prosperity gospel, but if you were to look around and look at the, the just the elaborate buildings that we have been building here in America for churches, for a place to worship, if you look at all of the furniture that is inside of these churches, I know there's a church somewhere close to us that I heard somebody that was on staff there say that when they built their new um, uh, building, they had a building added onto they spent upwards of $20,000 just on couches for lounging areas and things like that. And I, I'm thinking $20,000 just for couches and chairs, just for people to hang around and lounge around in, not even necessarily classroom space. I mean, when you think about that, the church has experienced such prosperity that we're able to spend $20,000 on couches. Now, we're also in America, and couches are a lot of money. You can buy maybe five couches and it costs you nearly $10,000 or more. But we're using all of these resources on things that really don't en didn't, don't enhance worship. They don't help us worship. They're just there to be aesthetically pleasing or, or just places to sit. I mean, we have become so, so uh, we need to be catered to that even our, our rear ends need to be comfortable when we're sitting down when we're at church or we're not going to like that church anymore because our rear ends aren't comfortable and we're going to go find a place that has comfortable padded seats and nice couches. So when we are worshiping, we can be comfortable. The church has experienced prosperity in that way because we have these big buildings and these elaborate stage designs and setups and all these things all around us. And yet, Pastor Samuel Lamb, I believe, hits the nail on the head when he says the church in America, because it has, has, has experienced prosperity, is growing weaker. Now, think about it. Think about the context in which you're in. How many churches are around you that you can look at and say, wow, this is a weak church theologically, biblically, doctrinally, all of these things. The people are weak because we are concerning ourselves more with 
large buildings and stage designs and couches and seating and comfort and and, and what can we do to better help our people experience God in worship when really, if you look at the church in China, all they need is a a room to meet in. And really, you don't even need a room. Many people meet out in the jungles and have uh, just little tarps for cover if it starts raining. You don't need a room, but praise God if you have one. Use it for the glory of God. But the church in America has experienced this prosperity and is growing weaker. And he says the church in China has experienced persecution and is growing stronger. There's no doubt that persecution as a true believer and the holiness as a believer are tied together because as you experience various trials, James chapter 1, and struggles and sufferings in this life and even persecution, it brings forth this endurance inside the life of a believer to be able to endure this, to persevere through this, to have a, their strength, their strength, their faith strengthened, this hope renewed, and it produces a holiness inside the believer. So persecution and sufferings and holiness are tied together. We see this in Romans chapter 8, that all things work together for the good for those that love God. So no matter what happens in this life, whether it's persecution, suffering, or even great things, it's all for our sanctification. It's all for our holiness to become more like Christ. So the persecution, when it happens, if it happens to the church, there is no way the church doesn't grow stronger because it's producing in us a stronger faith, a stronger hope. It's in producing in us endurance. It's, it's, it's causing us to persevere in the faith as God is preserving his people. So there's no doubt that when you experience persecution, yes, I'm sure sometimes that you're going to feel like just throwing in the towel because sometimes it might get old. I'm sure Paul just experienced it over and over and over, and the disciples over and over and over experienced this persecution, but they never threw in the towel. They never said, enough is enough. They never said, I'm done, because a true believer can't walk away from Christianity. Anybody that walks away from Christianity was never a true believer to begin with. So we see this persecution and these sufferings that we should consider a joy producing strength all over the place. And it's not our strength. It's the strength of God, the power of God in us producing these things. So as persecution happens, a true believer and a group of true believers, there is no way it can't be stronger. And here in America, we're experiencing prosperity and we're growing weaker because we seek to obtain things and we seek to obtain the wrong things. We need more of Christ and less couches, less buildings, less stage designs, less fill in the blank of whatever it is. We need more of Christ. We need more of his word. We need more sound biblical songs that we sing when we worship through music. We need more prayers in our in our in our worship gatherings. We need more confessions in our worship gatherings. We need to be catechizing our people in our worship gatherings. And when this persecution happens, it's going to strengthen the church. Look at it in the early church. Look at the book of Acts. Whenever persecution would happen, whenever the believers would gather, persecution would happen and they would scatter. And as a result of this scattering of the believers, the gospel went forth to many more places. Thus, the church grew. The church grew stronger. 
it, you even see in the book of Acts where it says that nobody had any need because everybody was taking care of everybody. And this is under the, the weight and, and, and uh, the, the toughness of persecution that they've experienced, that they've gone through. And that the, the early church was strong, and that should be a reflection of our churches today. Now, I don't want to just go out and, and say, hey, persecute me for being a Christian. That's not how this works. You don't go looking for persecution. Persecution comes to you because of your life. You're either spending it being godly or you're spending it seeking all the wrong things. Maybe you're just a Christian in word and not deed. So persecution is really not going to come to you in that way. The Bible is the truth of God's word, and we see that persecution comes to those who desire to live a godly life in Christ. And when you're living a godly life in Christ, persecution comes. I mentioned earlier that I believe that Jesus gives us some reason to believe that persecution is also verbal. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. So as you're, you're living this godly life in Christ, Others can revile you, which means to angrily criticize and being very insulting and uh, just very nasty criticisms towards you. That's verbal persecution. Now, it's, a, it's, it's mild compared to violent persecution, but we see that he goes on to say, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. So I believe this is a physical and verbal persecution. And then it goes on to say, and utter all kinds of evil against you. That utterance comes from the tongue, the mouth, when you utter and speak all kinds of evil against someone falsely on the account of Christ, you are persecuting that person, although mildly, and it's verbally, but it's still, in my opinion, persecution. And notice this word that Jesus says as he's going through all of these in, in, in Matthew 5, blessed are you. When others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Blessed or happy are you. So how can someone be happy when they're being persecuted? Well, it's because they're living a godly life in Christ. They're being obedient to the scriptures. They're being obedient to who God has called them to be in their walk with Christ. Those that are seeking other things, those that are not living obedient lives, there may not be true salvation there because a true Christian will want to live a godly life. That will be the desire of their heart to live a godly life in Christ. And when you do that, there are persecutions. But if there's no persecution, there's no suffering, there's no frustrations, there's no conviction of sin, then you are definitely not a believer. You're just one in word and not one in deed. A Christian, a true believer, will be a believer in word and in deed. Now, this doesn't mean that we won't struggle with sin. Obviously, we're going to struggle with sin as we are in the already not yet, both sinner and saint, simultaneously. But as you live a godly life, expect persecution. Expect people to utter all kinds of things evil against you because of your life in Christ. And that's okay because we were once enslaved to the darkness, to the pattern of this world. We were once living as people with no hope, we were living for the world to, to carry out the desires of our flesh, all of these things, but 
By grace through faith, if you've been saved, you are now a slave to righteousness. And anyone that is a slave to righteousness means that they have been given the righteousness of Christ in the great exchange, 2 Corinthians 5.21, and they now live a godly life in Christ, which means, again, that you will be persecuted if you do that. So a true believer must seek, desire, and and be obedient to the Scriptures to live a godly life in Christ, which in turn results in persecution. Now, over our last few minutes, I want to talk about this, and I, I really want to talk to you men that are listening, and if you women, if there are any women listening, uh, I would say let your husbands listen to this. I'm not some just like gigantic guru, and like I'm not, I'm just a nobody, right, sitting on the other end of this microphone, so my words that I say are not going to come from somebody that has a lot of authority or carries the weight, but ultimately we know this, that Christ has all the authority. His word is the final authority. So what I'm going to tell you is rooted in the scriptures because men, uh, we need to understand persecution is coming and in some ways verbally already here and in other ways trickling down Uh, The trickling down effects could be happening in front of us with the government and things like that, but we need to be prepared for persecution ourselves. What if it begins to happen? What if somebody were to come up to you and say, you need to to, to recant uh, of this belief, you need to uh, really throw your beliefs in the garbage, you need to tell us you do not believe in Christ Jesus, or we are going to kill you, basically. If somebody were to come to you and say that, What are you prepared to do? Are you going to recant? Or are you going to be like Martin Luther and say, here I stand, I can do no other? Or uh, is there something in between? I don't know what that looks like, but only you know what would happen in the midst of persecution. If you're being beaten for your faith, are you going to finally say, no, 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 okay, I'll stop. I'm I'm going to convert. My wife is reading a book right now. It's about women who have been severely persecuted in other parts of the world that have survived and written their story, and it's now in a, a book, a collective book, and she tells me the stories of some women that were, were being very uh, severely persecuted by Muslims, and there were women that were tired of being beaten, and they didn't want to die, so they converted to Islam simply to escape persecution. Now, that is not what we are called to do as believers. If you're a believer, you're not going to convert to anything. You're going to remain a Christian because it's the Lord that's going to hold us fast and preserve us so we can persevere to the end. But what are you what are you going to do when this violent persecution happens? Because I believe that we're living in a time where it very well could happen right now. As a matter of fact, just a couple of weeks ago, I saw somebody doing some open-air preaching, I believe, in New York. They were sucker punched from behind. Uh, they were hit in the face. They had milkshake thrown on them. I don't know who the person was, but some of you listening may have seen this on social media. So there is persecution happening because of the Word of God and because people stand up and declare and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and they're preaching and teaching the true Word of God. What about you, sir? Are you prepared to die for your faith? But let me get a little deeper here. and I'm just not talking about you now. What about your family? Are they prepared to endure persecution? And if it calls for their life, are they ready to stand on judgment day and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? And what I mean by this is men, we have an obligation 
a duty, and a calling to lead our families well. We have got in this world, this prosperity uh, way of living in America, we've gotten this idea that we can do what we want to, we can live how we want to, but once our kids start acting out, we can send them to the youth pastor and say, youth pastor, fix them. And they're going to say, well, this is not my job. Ultimately, it's yours as the husband or as the father. It's your job to lead your family. The church is supplemental. The church is there to come alongside and help. The pastors, the elders there are, 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 are there to help you in any way they can, but you are ultimately in charge of leading your family. That is to read the Bible, to exegete the passages in the scriptures, to sing together, to uh, be catechizing your kids, which is question and answers from the Word of God, so they can learn doctrine. All the, Praying with your family, preparing them for eternity, one, and I believe now we've got to start preparing our family for persecution because it's it it's just it may happen we don't know well, I mean we're seeing it on on smaller scales but it's happening and there is a very strong potential that this could really become violent persecution over the next several years so men lead your family in family worship family worship isn't rocket science it does, science it doesn't have to be hard there are many things that you can buy that you know commentaries and there's things on the on the internet that you can look at to to understand passages of scripture so that you can teach your family the word of God and what God has said in his word by uh, exegeting the text and explaining expounding on the text so they can understand and know the word of God teach your family the gospel preach it to them every day uh, that salvation is by grace through faith it's repentance of sin and belief on the Lord Jesus Christ that he came and died was buried and rose again on the third day, and one day he's coming back. We believe these things. We believe he died for us. We ask forgiveness for our sins, turn from those sins, and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life, and confess that he is Lord with our mouth, believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, and we will be saved, the Bible says. So we need to be teaching the true gospel to our family so they can be prepared to live for eternity. And then again, like I've said already, prepared for the coming persecution that I believe will happen sooner rather than later. So, man, this is really a call to you is what are you concerning yourself with? What matters more to you? Does your golf game matter more than your family? Does your work matter more than your family? Does your hunting time matter more than your family? Does your sports matter more than your family? Does your tinkering around in the garage matter more than your family? Does your own personal time and your own self-centeredness matter more than your family? Because let me tell you something, you're going to have to sacrifice some things to lead your family in the ways of God. But it is very important, it's very vital, and we are called as men to lead our families well. And I'm so tired of seeing beta males just get run all over by their wives and their family and they won't stand up and lead them well we need men of god that are strong in the lord not physically strong but strong in the lord that are willing to stand up and say family sit down we're going to worship we're going to read the text we're going to learn the text and we're going to catechize uh, the kids and you're going to learn these questions and answers we're going to learn doctrine and we're going to prepare you for life we're going to prepare you for persecution we need men that are willing to step up and do those things they're hard things they're not easy things they're going to have to take time 
They're going to have to take resources. You're going to have to, uh, and you don't even have to know how to sing, but you need to sing with your family, sing the things of God. The Bible tells us to make uh, melody in our hearts to, or, and to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So we should be doing these things with our family and prepare them because the days are evil and we need men to step up and lead their families so men and women can go out into this world, preach the gospel to their neighbors, to their families, and love them well in that sense. And when persecution comes, they're able to endure it because they are standing on the solid rock that is Christ Jesus and his word. So know that you need to be leading your families. And and women, if you don't have a husband that's willing to step up and do it, then I somebody's got to. So maybe you're a single mom as well. Then you need to step up and lead your kids in the ways of the Lord. Teach them the Bible. Help them understand the Bible. Prepare them for the things that are to come. So we're all in this. We all need to be teaching someone. So I want to encourage you, don't shrink back. Don't lose heart. Stay focused and stay faithful. Even if persecution comes, be prepared by being in the word of God and ready to stand and fight for the glory of God. I appreciate you listening. Thank you for taking the time out of your day today to listen to this episode. We'll have another episode drop on Friday. Uh, Maybe Wednesdays and Fridays will be new podcasts. As always, you can reach out to us here at the Doctrine Matters Podcast. You can email us, and the email address is doctrinematterspodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can reach out to us there. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, and as we have heard snarky rebukes from some others, feel free to do those as well. But we just want to help you in any way we can. So if we can do that, reach out to us, let us know. Prepare yourselves, lead your families well, trust the Lord, give God glory, exalt Christ. Thank you for listening, and God bless.